Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome people to episode 492 of Film Bastards. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Ian Loring. Hello, how are we all? And Becky isn't here quite yet, she will be joining us um, shortly for, for Guardians and other bits, but we're going we're gonna to do the, the first bit of the show with, without her and see how far we get, and then she'll join us for that, because she has watched Guardians, um, and a little little sneaky, little sneak peek on what we've got coming up, we, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <laughs> and yeah, that, I mean, that was the big release this week, wasn't it really, so we don't actually have much else, just some what we've been watching and other bits, uh, listen to our friend shows uh, other pod syndicate shows including Rewatch Project, his film, her movie Gaming Landfill and other bits out there, just, just listen to some nice podcasts it's all, it's all mm. good, it's all fun um, yeah Ian, what's mm. been happening in the movie world um, this, this this week? Okay. As, 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 as John McGrath has just messaged us, apart from Pedro Pascal being cast in everything <laughs> Yes, indeed, indeed he has. Um, there's no fucking way he does the. He is on set of the Mandalorian these days. No fucking chance. Can't be. No, um, my 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 brain constantly. It's like it does a reset with the Mandalorian thing, where people go, "Wait, if they say that about him being a Mandalorian, my brain goes." He's in the Mandalorian, and it's like I know he's in the Mandalorian, but the minute after I talk about him being in the Mandalorian, my brain just kind of just goes, "Oh, we don't need to remember that," and then just resets <laughs> until the next time. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I mean, like God, he just—I know he was on set and he kind of like had the helmet on and stuff for a bit in the first season, but I swear he probably just fucking zooms his lines or something these days. Um, <laughs> Because that's the whole thing with the Mandalorians. It's like it's a whole, it's a big thing for them to take their helmet off. So he's taking it off like once ever. Um. So it, anyway, it's it's a whole thing. Um. So it, yeah. Um. The writers' strike is biting. Yeah. Um. So you know, some films are shooting and TV are shooting. Some aren't. Blade. Um. Has been. Um. Uh, production's been delayed again. Um, it, it, that that feels a little bit like they've gone. Ooh, this looks like a convenient excuse mm-hmm. we could use. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really, really does. So um, I, yeah, that that's exactly why I'm thinking. I would not be surprised if they decide to just completely shut that thing down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, which is a I, shame because apparently they've said it would be rated R. But hey, but it's one of those. I think they've. I think they have so much talked themselves into a corner with it without actually having really anything set in stone yet. It very much is like they've they've spoken about it way too much. And it's like, right, but are you actually going to make it? Oh, yeah, yeah we're going to make it, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. We just need to find another director and there's some more script bits to do. And, I'll, you know, we, 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 there's bits to work out. Yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll see there. But one film that is shooting, um, uh, apparently from today, Beetlejuice 2. Yeah. So they are going to shoot that without the ability to do any rewriting on set unless it's somebody who's not the WGA affiliated. So I don't know if Tim Burton's not in the union, then he could do rewrites perhaps. Um, 
But yeah, uh, Michael Keaton's back. General Ortega is playing the daughter of Winona Ryder, and Justin Theroux is also going to be in the film. Uh, you know, they've been talking about Beetlejuice two for um, fucking years. Mm. So, you know, let's let's see, let's see. A little I, bit, I'm... little bit worried. It's just going to be fucking green screeny CG ahoy. But, yeah, yeah. I'm that. I'm. When I saw that they were doing a Beetlejuice 2, I kind of at first went, oh, you could not. You know, there's that option as well. Um, And then I saw somebody talking about General Ortega in reference to it. I didn't didn't know that that was confirmed that she was cast. And my brain just immediately went, that just feels so obvious that it it feels a little bit boring. I hope they don't do that. And then sort of looked at it like a day later and went, oh, no, wait, they have done that. Oh, okay, great, cool. It, and um, Yeah, I've, <laughs> General Ortega's a fucking interesting one because, you know, you know, she'd been in things. Lottie watches her Disney Channel show that she used to be in, Stuck in the Middle. She was uh, she was talking to me about that only yesterday. Um, and then, um, you know, she's in Wednesday, which Donna watched. Um, and she's in the screen films that I watched. Mm. So we've all got our own experience with General Taker. But and it, it that's the thing. It's like it's weird. She has been in shit that appeals to multiple demographics. Um, but she's also quite spicy with her takes, like talking about how she rewrote shit on set of Wednesday because she was like Wednesday wouldn't say that. And like. Um, I don't know, like, there was somebody who had, like, a WGA picket sign uh, up saying, like, well, at least you've got General Ortega still, or something like that, you know, which is uh, which is good. But, um, yeah, it, I, I, I like her as a screen presence. I think she's good in the screen films. Um, and, it, yeah, it is obvious, but, hey, Tim Burton's got a working relationship with her, and... She is the closest thing to a mini Winona Ryder as you would get in Hollywood these days. That's it. it it's not. A, it's not even necessarily a, a bad. That's obvious. It's just a. It's obviously almost feels a little bit lazy. <laughs> and mm. and the problem that I've had with modern day um, Tim Burton movies is when you have the limitations of what you can do. Sometimes that helps with creativity. And I think for Tim Burton is one of those. And I'd also throw Gilliam into that uh, perspective as well there. People who were um, visually flair directors and visually interesting directors, not necessarily visionary directors or anything like that. What happened is once you gave them essentially enough tools to do whatever they wanted, it it just became quite dull. And quite, yeah, that's not that interesting. It's often the bits that you can't do that often make things more interesting. Uh, but then again, he did go back a little bit to more practical and more low fly stuff in the what is it, Mrs. Peregrine Stunting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That one um, that I actually quite liked. So we'll wait and see on that one. I'm just a little bit. There was, I think, I can't remember the exact plot of it, but there was going to be a, a Beetlejuice sequel like a few years afterwards, and then it, it ended up not happening. Cause I think uh, Keaton was doing Batman Returns, I believe, uh, and it sounded batshit, <laughs> like it was, it was like Beetlejuice in hell or something like that. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, yeah, and I, I don't. I mean, it would be good, and you know, if they get stuck, maybe they can get Chat, chat GPT to write some of it. Um, <laughs> oh. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's one of the concerns of the, 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 the striking writers is like, will Hollywood just start relying on AI? And um, you know, I mean, um, it, it, it's some crazy shit. You know, I, I won't get into it too much, but that technology is going to make a lot of people redundant or reposition what their work is and i had a i don't think i mentioned this on the show last week but i had a i think i was talking to you guys about it i was having a demo of um uh a company oh god how do i say this without (laughs) sorry maybe i just shouldn't um I had I had a demo from a. We're we're doing some stuff at work where we're we're looking at different vendors for the thing that uh, the the thing the, the 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 systems that we maintain. I had a demo with a company that has a large financial stake in uh, OpenAI, and they did a demo, and it was holy fucking shit, good and scary, and um, if. You know, they, they, I, 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 yeah, the future of what that stuff could do to everything is mind boggling. Um, and I get that writers are scared, and that's that's what I'll that you know, so, um, but yeah, yeah, and honestly, that is one of the things that, that, that they're worried about. And I do kind of wonder if Tim Burton would be tempted to. You know, he's had a couple of bottles of wine at the end of a hard shooting day. He opens up fucking chat GPT and it's like, write me a scene of Jenna Ortega playing Winona Ryder's daughter in Beetlejuice 2. You know, at some point, Stoderbergh is going to release a film that was completely written by chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, somebody's going to do it, though, aren't they? And But that, I mean, it's fascinating, though, because then it's like, well, who has the copyright to, like, who owns those words? That's a very good point, yeah. You know, it, it, is it is it open AI? You know, um, it, is it the the person who had the idea to put that into it in the first place? Do they have a co-writing credit? Um, it, yeah, it is fucking fascinating. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to my redundancy package. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've been with that company for a decade now, so I, I, you know, I think I'd get a decent payoff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't mean that. It'll be, it'll be all right. But um, yeah, future of work. Anyway, uh, that was a tangent. Um, but yeah, so there's not too much else going on. Can starts next week. Um, you know, not much is being like made at the moment. So like Stranger Things shut down production. Uh, I think Andor yeah, shut, shut down. down today, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Blade, obviously. Um, yeah, I just I wonder what odds you'd get on Blade not resuming, not not just not starting. Yeah, it it, it, it seems like this could just be like the excuse they need for it to yeah. kind of just go away a little bit. Um, right, should we should we chat some trailers? Yep, let's there's, do it. There's been a few, hasn't there? Mm-hmm. There's 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 one that that's irked me. <laughs> it's fair to say that we'll get into. Um, so, Bird Box Barcelona. 
Right, I didn't watch this because it's Bird Box Barcelona. Just no. So, no. Am I right in thinking they've made a sequel to Bird Box, which was like, at the time, I, I'm fairly certain at the time, it was like the most watched movie, or watched original Netflix movie of all time at the time. And was like a big mm. deal that released at Christmas, mm. I believe, wasn't yep. it? Well? Yeah, that's right. Um, and and um, they, they've released for what, four, five years later, a Spanish language sequel. <laughs> With the name Bird Box Barcelona, I don't yeah. know. It it I, it it's like Tenet Two Slovakia. It, it it is very like straight to straight to DVD sequel. This isn't it. It's like a TV series spin off. Yeah, Big yeah, Brother is. Brazil. Like like yeah, CSI Miami, CSI Vegas, CSI. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that is what they're going to do. There will be a French one that is called um, fucking Bird Box. They won't do Paris. They'll do somewhere else. Bird Box Bordeaux. Bird Box Bordeaux, yeah, that'll be it. It'll be all the bees. Bird Box Berlin. Bird Box Berlin. Bird Box Bangkok. Bird 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 Box Brisbane. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I could do this all day. It's quite fun. (laughs) Fucking hell, yeah. Bird Box Burton on Trent. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's just, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun to say the ba ba ba. Do you know what? Fuck it. I go back on it. Netflix, well done. You're a winner here. Bird Box Busan. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, doesn't tell you a lot, really. It's just like a lot of people walking and looking at stuff like that's happening in the distance whilst holding phones and gently moving their phones away from themselves as they look in shock at what's happening in front of them. Because what, what, what's the whole thing with Bird Box again? They, they they just all go blind? Yeah. And then, are there monsters? Or is it just they're all blind? There, there is monsters, I think. Um, and it's, if you don't look at something, you don't go blind or something like that. Right, okay. That's it. Nobody cared to actually enough about Bird Box to remember what it was about. <laughs> okay. And nobody's going to rewatch it. Because... <laughs> Because we all watched it the first time round, and it's left no impression whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, fucking whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit like that with it. It just, I just don't care. Yeah. What else have you caught trailer for? Um, saw the trailer for Little Mermaid, like the full trailer in the cinema for the first time. Oh yeah. Um, and. The thing is, I, I hope it does well because if it doesn't, people are going to say that it's because of the fact that, well, you know, it. it why, why have you got a black mermaid? It's like, why, for a start off, mermaids don't actually fucking exist, dickheads. But the other bit of it is, it, it just it looks weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. The thing is, a hand-drawn fucking, um, a hand-drawn Languistine that can talk isn't weird. A photorealistic one that can yeah. talk and sing yeah. is a bit weird. <laughs> they, they they released a clip of, um, like, a minute-long clip of Kiss the Girl mm. online in the last couple of days, and... Yeah, just photorealistic singing sea creatures. That ain't it. Yeah. 
it's it's very much like Disney have got wedded to this idea of remaking all of their classics as live action um, for the simple fact that the technology exists so they can. So that means they can. But uh, to, to use an adage, an adage, they never actually stop to think whether or not they should. <laughs> and they, they really... Some, I think, you can get away with. For instance... I, I still think that, that not enough is made of how good the Beauty and the Beast live-action film was. That was really genuinely good. Whereas, and the Jungle Book one was, was okay. But this just, it, it just looks a little bit crap, and I kind of hope it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the early words started coming out for it, and apparently it's all right, Halle Berry's very good. It, it's okay. Seems to be. It, it feels like it's going to be a very three out of five experience. I don't think I'm going to get to it in the cinema. Um, that week we go away and Hypnotics out mm. the Robert Rodriguez Ben Affleck film. That just a little bit of show admin. That's got an Odeon Limitless screening next Monday that I can go to, and then that's that week's main review. Okay for me. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, literally, we're going away on the Saturday. Little Mermaid comes out on the Friday. There's no chance I'm going to get to it on the Friday. Yeah, I am totally okay with that. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, yeah, well, yeah, it'll be hypnotic that week, which is fine. Um, uh, run, Rabbit, Run. Um... Sarah Snook, one Australian film, kind of looks like the Babadook, but instead of a Babadook, it's a girl pretending to be the mum's dead sister. Okay. Um, look, looks all right. Looks, looks like it'll be all right on Netflix. Comes out end of June. Um, yeah, just looks very Babadooky to me. You might avoid that one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, don't blame you. Um, what else we got? Uh, oh, um, the fucking what's that Wesley Snipes one called that I watched the trailer Back for? Back on the strip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like yeah, yeah. I'll watch this. <laughs> the thing is, I got about halfway through the. Tra- I got like to a point. The trailer was like, really? Come on! And then I got to the end of the trailer and went. Yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> it kind of like the first part of it's really good, and then when the kids introduced, I was like, "Nope, nope, I'm out." And then when Wesley Snipes sort of goes, "It means I'm back in the game," I was like, "Yeah, all right, I'm back." <laughs> it just it it looks like a fun Magic Mike esque thing, like the second one was. Yeah, and I like it. Just yeah, fine. Why not? Yeah, that, that's it. It's it, it, I'm looking at it going. That movie is going to be is going to be it's going to be 104 minutes maximum, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of fine with that. Sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Back on the strip. Yeah, oh, no, it's, it's, it's 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 R-rated, <laughs> and it's just shy of two hours. Okay. All right. Um. Right. New trailer for Oppenheimer. Yep. Um. So. I I continue. I don't think this is going to do very well. Um, and I think it's a mistake to release it 
right in the middle of summer. I'm a little worried that Nolan being insistent upon got to be a summer release. You know, IMAX can't have anything else around it, blah, blah, blah. I really, really hope it's well-reviewed, because if it's not, I think this thing's going to fucking bomb. The only thing I will say is, audience that I saw it with, everyone shut the fuck up once the trailer started. And it is the only movie that I have had pretty much everybody I have spoken to uh, about movies, uh, like work and stuff like that, mention and say they're looking forward to. Yeah, I, yeah, you, and yeah, I mean, you, you said you said both of those things last time round as well, and that's that's great. I just, I can't, I can't sync up with it. It just, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think I, what I got from that trailer was right. This trailer makes it look very serious. However, I think that the actual movie itself is going to be a shitload more serious and heavy than this trailer is. I think this trailer is quite jaunty for what the movie is actually going to be like. Yeah, yeah, I just... But, I, I also have a but at the end that I got without the trailer. I, I left the trailer and I was excited for it and I was looking forward to it. But not as much as I have been for, like, as I was for Tenet. And not as much as I was for Interstellar. And probably not as much as I was for his Batman ones. I was just a little bit like, I know that's going probably going to be really, really good. But I like it when Nolan is a bit nuts. Because... <laughs> When you actually look at Tenet and Interstellar, they're kind of a little bit bonkers. They're very high concept. And this kind of isn't... It's real-world high concept, if that only makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, abso- yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it does. I mean, look, historical drama played out on just a fucking massive canvas. Mm. It is... It's, it's, is it's all um, IMAX as well, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a really interesting idea. I just i i re I hope it's a commercial one. I really hope it's a commercial one. But coming, I'd like coming out in IMAX a week after Mission Impossible. I I just I just I wouldn't be surprised if the week up like so you got the one week Mission Impossible comes out. It's all Mission Impossible all the time in IMAX. Oppenheimer comes out. It's all Oppenheimer all the time. The week after, I wouldn't be surprised if cinemas are a bit like, "Can we put Mission Impossible back on IMAX, please?" Yeah, I can. I, I can see that happening. Um, oh yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with that one. Yeah, I just, I, 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 I dearly hope I'm wrong. What, what I will say though, as well with that is. Mission Impossible, apparently the budget is touching 300 million. <laughs> Which is, you know, and I think that, that movie's, that movie's going to be fine. That movie's going to make its budget back. That's not a problem. But still, 300 million is a lot. Um, is, but is that, for, is that for part one and part two? Or is that just part one? Apparently that's just part one. Yeah, I don't... It... They'll, they, 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 there'll be some sh- creative math behind that, though, won't there? You'll find that the first one will be like 290 million, the next one will be like 17 million or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's it, though, isn't it? Like, if it, aver- if it averages out yeah. at 200 million a piece or something like that, 
you know, in the end of the day, each of the, if the first film is good, they both gross at least a billion each. That's it. Yeah, I I, I do think that's a that's a sure shot to gross a billion. Whereas I think Oppenheimer will probably sit at a steady three hundred fifty four hundred million. Yeah, if Op- if Oppenheimer gets to four hundred million, nobody gets their uh, noses burned, and if it's reviewed well, then it becomes an Oscar botherer. You know, like that that it, it, the Dunkirk effect. Mm. Um, because what did I mean, Dunkirk? Because Dunkirk obviously was you know pre COVID and everything like that. I mean, Dunkirk did over five hundred million. Yeah, but I mean, like it's just it, it, one of the greatest dad movies ever made. And yeah. the, the thing is, Oppenheimer might be one of the greatest dad movies ever made as well. And that's not a criticism. No. I'm, I like dad movies. Yeah. That, that that that's it. I I am a weird person in the sense that I think people's obsession. When people go, oh, I'm really into history, my brain goes, all right, cool, you're boring then. Um, it's I have no interest in in that, but but I also do really quite like <laughs> films about, like this. So yeah, but like you say, it's it's ultimate dad movie kind of stuff. Um, but in saying that, one of the people who keeps asking me about when Oppenheimer is out is my mum, who who isn't a regular cinema goer. Um, I actually, I'm fairly certain the last movie my mum went to the cinema to see was Dunkirk. <laughs> no, sorry, she didn't. She went to see uh, 1917. Oh, fair, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. It's probably going to get that audience. I, like I say, dude. I, I I very very much hope I'm wrong. Do I think the film looks good? Yeah, yeah. It, it just. It's not selling me as a film coming out in the middle of July. I do think September would have been a better time for it. September, October, it yeah, would fucking late, dominate. Late September, early October, like the Sicario point. Yeah, Dom would dominate. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it does seem strange. It's coming out that close to Mission Impossible. Yeah, like a, like a it, week. It, like, give it a couple of weeks. And it, I don't know. I just like I, I do think Nolan has to be careful. Like Tenet. Yes, okay, massive, massive asterisk, but in the US, still, even in pandemic terms, made yeah nothing divided by fuck all. You know, I it, it did well worldwide, and that pumped it up. I just, I, I really, really, really hope this isn't one where people are like, right, then Nolan, you've been burnt twice now, back in your box. I think the I think he's been slightly clever with it in a way of going right. I'm not going to make a 200 250 million pound high concept movie. I'm going to make a you know for for his standards a smaller movie. It's still a 100 million dollars, but for his standards it's a smaller movie. And you know there are a lot of sort of boxes you can tick where you're going to get people going to see it. You, like Killian Murphy is quietly, without everyone noticing, a fucking huge star because there's people like obsessed with Peaky Blinders. Mm. I mean, fucking, David Batista has a tattoo of Killian Murphy on his leg. Really? <laughs> Batista's got a Peaky Blinders oh, tattoo great. on okay, his on his thigh, <laughs> um, and. Um, there was a sorry interview with him where he was talking about his tattoos, and he was saying about the fact that he met Killian Murphy <laughs> and told Killian Murphy that he had a tattoo with his face on his thigh. That's got to be a fucking bizarre experience. <laughs> Killian Murphy's like, why? <laughs> and he had to explain it. <laughs> Man, 
Fair play. Um, <laughs> I think part of it was like a cover up. I think I think it was a cover up of the Manny Pacquiao tattoo that he had, and he covered the Manny Pacquiao tattoo up. Killian Murphy uh, with Killian Murphy because Manny Pacquiao made some very um, homophobic comments, and of course Batista yeah. was raised by two mothers. Yeah. So yeah, so he covered it up with a Killian Murphy tattoo. Fucking wild. Oh, we'll get into Batista later on, but that man is a fucking treasure. <laughs> yep, he is. Yep, absolutely. Um, oh fuck, I was going to say something else, and I've, it's 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 nah, it's gone out of my head. Um, like, I, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to hopping, but I wouldn't lie if I said I wasn't worried. Oh no, what I was going to say, it just times up really nicely. Just g- give Nolan Bond, let him do a Bond. It's just, it's two, three years of his life. He gets it out of his system. Everyone can watch a Christopher Nolan Bond film and then he can move on. It, it kind of feels, yeah, like it's going to happen. Just let it happen. And, you know, Bond, like Nolan doing a new Bond and kind of setting the template that then could be carried on. Yeah. Give him, give him Aaron Taylor Johnson as his Bond. He's already worked oh. it before. Fuck, that would be great. That would be great. And just go, right, what do, you, what do you want to do with it? Because you know he's going to go, I want to do something a bit bonkers. <laughs> it's just, it, it, Nolan being able to set the origin of this new Bond. Yeah. That I mean, it would be lovely. I mean, I, like, I read something a couple of weeks back where like apparently Broccoli's like sounding out Denny Villeneuve. And, and it's like that. Yeah. That that's interesting as well. It, it, Don't it get is. me wrong. Yeah, I want Nolan, but yeah, but but Nolan kind of makes sense more. Yeah, and he's a fan of Bond, you yeah. know, and he it, like it, it just it feels like back in the day where it was like Spielberg kept on asking to do a Bond, and they were just like no, 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 it, fuck, just let let him do it. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, and it just it the timing feels okay for it as well. You know, Oppenheimer's done. They can shoot next year. You know, get it out the year after. Perfect. You know. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm talking myself into it so much. I just want it really badly. Yeah. I. I. It does seem like something that could that could be feasible in the future for sure. And doing the first new one back just seems like a good idea. <laughs> Because they've got to announce at some point who the next Bond is. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, look. And yeah, it feels like they've got to get on with it as well. Like, No Time to Die was already delayed um, to yeah, a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it was originally uh, April 2020. Year and a half. We're now nearly two years hence from No Time to Die, which is wild. But mm. we are. I was thinking about that the other day. It's like Fast X comes out next week, and Fast Nine were, was like a post-COVID reopening film as well, and yeah. we're already getting a sequel to that. It, 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 it incredible how uh, times um, fucking off. But it is. It just. It has been fucking ages since they were in production on a Bond film. Well, that that's it. You know, um, it is it is two years this year, isn't it? Yeah. But then, effectively, if it's another two years to the next one, 
that means you're going to have effectively had one Bond movie in a decade. Wild. Wild. Because Spectre was 2015. Spectre was... Uh, between Spectre and No Time to Die, I think, was the longest gap between Bond films ever. Yeah. And, and you, you, you know, if you're looking at another, like, say, another two years, yeah, you're going to be looking at one Bond film in a decade. And it's it's like all of the... All of the, we knew that No Time to Die was going to be um, Craig's last dance as Bond. Hmm. But if it gets cast this year, you're already four years down the line from the people that you were talking about playing Bond, being the new Bond, when Craig said he was he was quitting. And effectively, hmm. he said he was quitting like a year before that anyway. So effectively, you're almost like five, six years down the line. So you're almost well, like two movies worth of time. Yeah, away from it. And I don't. I, I just. I can't. Amazon must be like, right, Eon Productions. Yes, you're in charge of this shit, but Jesus fucking Christ, could you move? Because we spent a lot of money, and you're one of the key reasons why. Mm. Let's go. You know. I. Yeah. It, it's. Um. I. I just think that now a little bit. I think Amazon like forget what they own. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's. I don't know. I just like. You know, when when Michael B. Jordan's talking about a, like a Creed universe, it's like I, I get a, like a bit of a sinking feeling. Mm. And Bond's obviously got that fucking game show thing where Brian Cox is gonna be like the controller, I think it's called in it. And it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like a really did and, we, did we e- make a joke about that? I don't know. I'm maybe. fairly certain we made some kind of fucking game show joke. And it's like 007 Race Around the World or something like that. Don't get me wrong. I hate myself, but I'll watch at least the first one. Yeah, on that, that kind of sounds a little bit fun. That that sounds like the kind of the fun idea for that. And, you know, they did that. They commissioned that Sounds of Bond um, little doc thing. Oh, the documentary. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. That's kind of interesting. And, you know, having the, the money Amazon have got behind it. But... Also, Amazon don't seem as proactive about putting money behind things as, for instance, like um, as Apple or Netflix or um, people like that do. Yeah. They seem to still trying to get me to watch the Jack Ryan series that's about seven years old constantly. Yeah. I, I, I just, I really, really want Eon to make something just so they can keep Amazon quiet for a bit. Um, (laughs) And also, it just it feels like they've they've had plenty of time. I just I do, I do want wonder if something's coming. Whether if it is being Earth or Nolan, it's like right, get your films out, and then we'll announce. Yeah. Or we'll announce closer to when your films are coming out, so we don't just completely dr- drown you out. Because in the end of the day, if it was announced before Oppenheimer that comes out that Nolan was directing Bond, all anyone would be asking Nolan in the run up to Oppenheimer are questions about Bond. Yeah, who's your new Bond? Yeah, who's going to be your Bond girl? Who's going to be the Bond villain? Where are you going to shoot it? Are you writing it? (laughs) And same with Vienov. Yep, you know, like it it would be literally that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's all of it is hinging on that. They announce him, they'll announce the new Bond at the same time. Just basically go right here. Here here are all the details. The film's going to be called X. It's written by Y. It's directed by Z. It stars A. Hmm. You know, just really. Going for it, yeah, I know, I, I know, Kiki. I'm very excited for Bond as well. Um, and I, it, it, yeah, sorry, you know, you know me and Bond. 
So yep. I'll stop now. But yeah. But at the same time, as I said, when No Time to Die comes out, it also kind of feels like I've had my bond. If it turns out it's going to be directed by some fucking jobber and stars some guy I've never heard of, and then I don't like it very much, I think my reaction will be, okay, that's cool. It's not like this one's not for me. I've got my Craig films. Yeah, and I, I, I'm a little bit like that in the sense that the only bonds I've ever got on with are the Craig ones. If the the casting of the new Bond makes me go... Yeah, I'm not that interested. I'm kind of all right going, oh, I'll always have the Craig ones. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But if it is Aaron Taylor-Johnson, then I'm yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would be intrigued by that. Aaron Taylor-Johnson in an either Villeneuve or or Nolan or whomever. It's got to be someone it, interesting. I, I, I just don't want it to be a general jobber. No, he looks like he could scrub up. He looks like he'd, he could still play a, a, a young Bond. He looks like he can fight and he, he looks like he can fuck. Mm. Like, he does, like, tick all those boxes, apart from the fact that it's another white male. But you, you, unfortunately, I just think you're going to get that. I don't think you're going to get... I don't... I, you know, you might get a, it, a person of colour cast, but you're not going to get... You're never going to get a female Bond. You're just it's, not. It's, it's, it's a red meat franchise. And if, you know... There, there will always, from a left point of view, there will always be something to criticise about the Bond films because of just the nature of that particular beast. Yeah, that's it. And you can do you can do things to assuage that, absolutely, but Lord knows you're never going to please anyone with that. So maybe don't do things that are going to alienate people, but at the same time, a black Bond would not alienate enough people to actually make a dent. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It, yeah, it, it just it wouldn't at all, you know. Um if, if you know, I just don't think because obviously, because everyone was bleating on for that many years about it being fucking what's his name, uh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah, yeah. But he's just too old now. <laughs> yeah, quite. In, 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 in like two years younger than Daniel Craig. I, yeah, I mean that that that's the thing, isn't it? It's like Henry Golding's kind of fucked it um, yeah. with the, what he's been picking lately. Um, I think, uh, to be fair, I think they've already set. Um, oh God, I swear I read something again a couple of weeks back. They were like. It's probably going to be a relatively unknown late 20s person or something like that, which yeah. I think was out there to counter the Aaron Taylor-Johnson thing. But if it's going to be Aaron Taylor-Johnson, if it's going to be Jack Loudon, you know, I can dream if it was going to be Henry Cavill. I'll deal with that, you know. I think Jack Loudon would be all right. He's all right in the Apple TV show Slow Horses. He's... I watched the first three episodes of that, which is a sign of me actually being somewhat into a TV show. Um, and he was good. Um, All I would say there is, if you're going to cast Jack Loudon, just cast Dan Stevens. No, yeah, there is that as well. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, anything I've ever, I've ever seen Jack Loudon, I think he's been really quite good in. To be fair, yeah, quite. I don't. He's. he's I, yeah, I, I'm not going to recommend Slow Horses to you because you don't watch TV, um, and I haven't even watched the whole thing. But it's not a bad show that. Um, la, la 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 la. Right. Anything else other than the big one? No, I think it's just a big one. Okay, so um, I'm just going to be the party pooper on this. No, you're not. Okay, cool. <laughs> right, the Meg 2 looks fun. Looks fun. Just you, calm you, you the made, fuck You made a very good comparison. Down. Yeah, go on. 
go on, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you finish. I think you're about, you're about to make it again. And I, I, I when I watched the trailer, because I watched the trailer after you made it, and I was like, he's I can't, I, right. I, I, I know I made a comparison. I can't remember what it was. Piranha. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Right. Piranha, Alexandra Aja's Piranha, is basically like what this trailer is doing. Yep. And I didn't see people going, oh, this looks like it's going to be the most fun of the year. This looks incredible. This looks insane. No, people shit all over it, and it was a really fun film. (laughs) This trailer, yeah, this trailer is not that dissimilar to the marketing for the first one. I I genuinely, for the first 30 seconds of this trailer, thought it was a recap of the first one. Sure, yeah. And look, Oh, it's coming out in August. I mean, very, very smart. Get out of the way of all the other ones. It's like, right, have some, have a fucking dirty cheeseburger, um, and that that's absolutely fine. And I'm very intrigued to see, like, but it, it feels like Ben Wheatley's just gone. Ah, fuck it. This will be a laugh, and I'm sure that is what this will be. But my God, is the Ben Wheatley factor factoring into some fucking people's reactions about this? It, yeah. All this trailer made me do is at one point maybe want to pull my own face off, which I'll get to in a second. Okay. Um, and the next one made me go, God, I, wanna, I, wanna, I think I might rewatch Piranha at some point. That's a really fucking fun film. Yep. But it didn't get me excited at all for this because I, 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 it didn't even make me want to rewatch the Meg. And I remember kind of enjoying the Meg. It, the best thing about the Meg is when at the end it says Finn. Yeah. I, I I just I, but I, and the face pulling off bit is genuinely right when the writers, um, when the writers right when when they sat around the table and they're getting all sorted because they will get it sorted right. Some Hollywood executives have to say, or the writers, whichever one it fucking is, has to say, okay, final thing. Can we have a moratorium on saying Apex fucking Predator? Because it has got to the point now where I am on the fucking verge of going, I'm going to fucking walk out of cinemas if someone fucking says it. Nobody said it ten years ago. Nobody said it ten years ago. And now it is said in like fucking 40% of movies. It's like if you go back 20 years, no one went to the toilet in a movie. Now it's in almost every movie somebody goes to the fucking toilet. Because some idiot went, do you know what? It never happens in movies. No one ever goes to the toilet. So everybody thinks that they should go to the toilet in a fucking movie now. But it is one of the best bits in Babylon. Well, yeah, fair. that's a fair point, that one. But yeah, but... Just honestly, just please stop using the phrase Apex Predator in every single fucking film. It just, just it didn't even make sense in that trailer. Oh, that's the Apex mm. Predator. What? Hmm. I... Yeah, I... Just a big fucking bunch all, of meh. <laughs> all they need to do is do the Meg but 15, not 12. Yeah. That's literally all they need to do with this. It's actually a you know, relatively easy assignment there. Let's, let's see what happens. Just Even having Barracuda <laughs> over the trailer annoyed me. I, I, I quite like, just when it was like the guitar, like the riff, 
It's a, like, it was like it repeated. It was like, oh shit, doing Barracuda. Okay, fine. It's a great riff, but but Barracuda is <laughs> just Barracuda's an actual fish. <laughs> the, the, the thing the thing is right. Ben Wheatley is in a win-win here because he like if people like it, he can go, oh that's great, thanks very much. If people think it's shit, it'll go, that's what I was going for. Yeah, that's it. And that is the annoying... It's the hypocrisy of fucking film watchers. They'll go, oh yeah, he was in on it. But other filmmakers yeah. can't get away with being in on it. Their movies yeah. are just stupid. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and I am yeah. talking about Moonshot. <laughs> Which one's Moonshot? The Moonfall. Moonfall, sorry. Yeah, Moonfall. Um, yeah. You know... That movie, stupid. Oh, it's fun, it's silly, but it's stupid. I'm, I'm pretty sure Emmerich knows it's fucking stupid. He filmed a scene where the moon creeps up on people. Yeah, I was about to say, do you remember that bit where the, it looked like the moon was creeping up on him? <laughs> <laughs> looking beautiful. But yeah, but we can do it, and it's just, oh, he's in on the joke. Is he though? <laughs> It's 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 basically the it's the reason why Nick Cage can never make a good or a bad movie. <laughs> mm. Mm. But hey, look, comes out in August. Or August is kind of like secretly a bit of a treat of a month. Um, we got that. We got the last voyage of the D- Demeter, Gran Turismo, Haunted Mansion. It's. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, that, it, it, that's it, it's fun. It's fun stuff you can go and see in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, cool. There we are. We're getting a lot of mileage out of trailers at the moment. Yeah, I think it's because they're, they're ramping up for the big summer ones. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying yeah. it. I'm enjoying it, just, it. it. For the for the first time in a few years, it feels like we're on a good trailer cadence. Yes. Yeah. Like it. Like. Like things have settled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Right, uh, I need to go for a pee if that's all right. That's cool. I'm going to grab another drink. And to be fair, if it's not all right, fuck you. I'm, <laughs> I'm still going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll be back in a sec. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one. Fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just just getting confirmation. It's just in that's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? So, cool. Ian. Uh, yep. What have you been up to? Uh, so, been on a bit more of a, a film kick. Um, I uh, played about five hours of Call of Duty World War Two and then nuked it from orbit thinking... I 
could just play this all day and not do anything else, and that's really scary. What's what's um, what's, what's, what's what's that then? Because that's cool, that cool. sounds more like the sort of war games that I like. So uh, yeah, Call of Duty World War Two is just it's a very very compelling cinematically styled war simulator <laughs> which um it, it yeah i mean is, is it a new one or is it a no 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 it's from years ago but i, I had it on playstation plus back in the day um sorry i'm just uh, gonna get my phone because i've forgotten my letterbox stuff um and no i mean it, it's basically just like a single player campaign where you're going through various various bits of world war Two. you know it starts with the, the beaches and it of normandy and it kind of goes on from there and it's uh yeah um i don't know it just feels very very weird being in a real world war setting and play it playing it as a video game uh and like getting health packs and stuff like that it's just very very yeah, odd it is a little uh, bit yeah i mean i'd say i think i said last week the, the the last games that i kind of like that that i remember playing were the medal of honor series which were like the precursors yes, to, yeah. to these um and yeah once they moved away from like the gradual thing was Medal of Honor then moved into like modern warfare, which then became COD, I think, and then it's moved on from there. Yeah, it's um, like I say. I mean, like I was, I was really enjoying it, but I just it's it's my it's that thing with video games with me. It's just like they they they, they take up too much mind share. Like if I like if I didn't have any other interests, then uh, or like responsibilities. Like I, all I would probably do is video games. Like I find them like genuinely quite scary at times. For that, like the new Zelda, I want to play it, but I really don't want to play it. It's like I'm, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can completely see your point. Yeah, it's like it's the time vacuum thing. Is um, when you start a movie, for instance, um, like. Um, just talking about like one of the films that I'm going to talk about um, later, uh, Roadhouse, for instance. I've got, I'm going to say next. I've got it in front of me. If I start watching Roadhouse, and I want to watch Roadhouse. Uh, I want to start moving. That's what I've picked. Basically, I'm there for 114 minutes, and I'm going to watch Roadhouse. There we go. There's a. If I start that at 10, I'm going to be finished by midnight, and I, that, that's that's okay. Uh, whereas with gaming. If you sit down and start gaming at 10, it's so easy to still be there at 2. That, that, and that, that's exactly it, dude. Like, literally, Bank Holiday Monday, I must have played it for, like, four or five hours. And, and it's just that there, there are other things... You know, and don't, don't get me wrong, it wasn't to, like, the detriment of my family. Like, they, they were perfectly fine with me playing it. But it, it it's like I could easily do that over pretty much anything else like i'll be honest do i find video games more compelling than films yes but they're longer and they're they're, they're bigger you know there's more to them um and that you know like the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom i watched someone play like the first 20 minutes of it today because like the embargo hasn't dropped yet somebody got like a copy of it and literally right no spoiler if you're listening to this before you've started it like within the first 15 minutes he like link jumps down off like this platform and then it's about two minutes of him diving down 
while the camera's circling around and just showing how fucking vast that game is in terms of places you can go. And it looks terrifying. You see, I, 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 open world stuff has no interest for me whatsoever at all. And I think I'm quite lucky in that, in that it just, it, if, if I find out something is open world thing, my brain just goes, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> don't, don't have any interest in that at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not an absolute video game expert, but Breath of the Wild for me, you don't need to play any other game. And the the scuttlebutt is Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, it's Breath of the Wild, but better. Which is insane. So, uh, you know, hey, who, who knows? This time next week, I may or may not be talking about Tears of the Kingdom. I kind of hope I'm not. <laughs> but on, honestly, that's where I'm at. So, um, yeah, there, there, there we go. So... In terms of films, though, I did watch a few things. So, uh, rewatched Renfield. Um, so, Donna wanted to watch it. Thank you, Mark. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm more at peace with it just being a really solid 7 out of 10 than I was originally. It's just, it, it's a very, very easy watch, that film. Yeah. Very, just breezy. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's not jamming down. Let's do a sequel down your throat. It just it that that film knows what it is and does it perfectly well. That's it. It's it. I, I just it's just a cartoon, and I like that. It's just a cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, rewatched Ocean's Eight. Um, you know, movie. <laughs> yeah. It and it, it it is. That's the thing. I like all the cast. Um, Kate Blanchett just. Very very hot in it. Yeah. Um, oh, but um, and and Bullock decent lead MVP Anne Hathaway. Um, <laughs> yeah. No knows what she's doing is basically playing what people may think Anne Hathaway is actually like. Um, and is just having a great deal of fun with it. She she's like a real breath of fresh air, but also. In the last half an hour, James Corden comes into it, also kind of gives it a kick up the arse. I, I, I am not a fan of James Corden. I think he's fine no, in this, he, and he's, he's really good twat. in prom. <laughs> yeah, he's a twat, but when he's in films, I think he's all right. Yeah, um, which is really annoying. Yeah, but he's just—he's got God. There's this bit where he's in Richard Armitage's um, flat. And he's talking to him, and he's um, he's like, oh, uh, I've got he, like Richard Armitage just makes some sort of like throwaway comment about Anne Hathaway, and James Corden just looks at him and goes, oh, to be you, which is great. And, and he's got these like two weird kind of like tree trunk things in his house, and James Corden's like, you know, you've got your apartment. Look at its view. You got two of these, <laughs> and, you know, and it just. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got he's got some really fucking good line deliveries in it, and it, it, it just where you think the film's wrapping up, and then it's gotta have the but is something gonna get in the way? Yeah, bring him in, and he's 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 fun. Um, it's a, and it feels like it just kind of got forgotten. Does Ocean's Eight, and I think I think that's a shame. Um, 
they do this weird thing at the end though where Sandra Bullock's at George Clooney's kind of like a mausoleum mm. and she's just look it's just like the shot is looking at her and it's just they're, they're playing with you it's like you think George Clooney's going to turn up here do you know what it probably would have been better if George Clooney actually had turned up when yeah. he just didn't bother yeah it, it's one of the other isn't it it's either have him turn up or, or just do it <laughs> yeah yeah, it, it, it's it's an odd one there. Or at least have Brad Pitt show up there. It, it, it feels like it's setting up a cameo. It's like, ah, we got you, didn't we? It's like, no, I'm a bit annoyed now, actually, because that was just like 30 unnecessary seconds. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there, there you go. So, yeah, but Ocean's 8, I, yeah, I like that film. Good film. Good movie. Good score by Daniel Pemberton as well. Yeah, Pemberton, one of his good ones, yeah. I mean, and, and he often does very good ones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so um, also watched uh, on Disney Plus now, uh, Rye Lane. Um, so, and it, this actually made me think. I don't think this year so far has been as good for films as the equivalent time last year. And I think there was like kind of pent up shit going on there. But I feel like by March, April last year, we were saying I'd, I'd easily have like a top five for the year I'd be happy with. I think there was, I, yeah, I, I think last year opened up with a bit of a bang, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really sure what this year's actually produced, actually. No, this, this year's not, just not been a lot of fours. And there we are. So, Rye Lane so far is my film of the year. Nice. But I would be disappointed if it was in my top five, and I don't think it will be in my top five at the end of the year. But that's the last slightly negative connotation that I want to give to it, though. So, Rylane is a rom-com. Starts off with a guy in a toilet crying unable to deal with his breakup where his uh, girlfriend has got with his best mate. And a girl is outside the toilet kind of asking him if he's all right. And it goes goes on from there. They kind of talk. They spend some time walking about together, having a conversation, and it, it, it kicks off from there. Um, so this played Sundance. Searchlight released it. Very much a UK film, though. Um, co-financed by the BFI and BBC Films. Um, and it's incredibly charming. The two leads are, um, let me get, let me get their names actually, because I'm, I I feel like I'm fucking disrespecting them. David Johnson Uh, and Vivian Apara. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, they are terrific. They're really, really fun together. Um, has a cameo, which also has a bit of cheeky visual humour to it, which is fantastic. The visuals in this, this this film, debut feature of um of the director, um Rain Allen Miller. Mm. Um and she is yeah, yeah. She knows what she's doing. Every shot, every every bit of framing in this feels like it's been really well considered. There is a weird shooting style where it's basically bit like a lot of it is shot with wide angle lenses and it takes some getting used to it feels like someone who has grown 
like who is is been molded in the age of YouTube and TikTok. She's. Um, I think she's a bit of a um, Steve McQueen protege. I think. Okay. All right. That that's interesting. Um, but what that does do, it's weird. It's a scope frame to kind of just take in the world, but then it uses these wide angles where it's like, but we want you to focus on the people in the middle. It's an interesting juxtaposition that almost feels like you'd be doing an everything everywhere kind of like alternate like framing. But instead of doing that, you're kind of doing it all within the one scope um, picture. It It's odd and it took some getting used to, but I understood what she was going for. Um it's also eighty-four minutes long. I'm, I'm just, I'm very into the idea of a, of a British rom-com um, that is not set around and written uh, around it being um, posh people. Effectively, yeah, it, it just, it feels authentically of this place. But I just like some of the, some of the visual ideas it's got. Like just one, one thing. Like there's a flat, there's a flashback to. Um, the guy in the cinema and he's in the cinema in the flashback but then they're sat behind him while he's telling her the story and then it cuts to where they they actually are and she's still got like the bag of popcorn in her hand even though they're on a park bench just kind of like munching it and it's just this fun like magical realism kind of thing going on which um well, uh, yeah, I had it on my on my iPad downloaded um, to watch as like a batch of films that I keep on my iPad downloaded to watch. So I've got a little bit of a choice to watch at work because we have really bad Wi-Fi um, at work. Um, and then when you said it, it, it's up there as like film of the year so far, I was like, all right, do you know what? I'm not watching that as a lunchtime watch. I'm watching that as a, a sat at home. You need my all of my attention watch. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, hey, you've got you've got the old 4K, you've got the Dolby Vision. It 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 pops quite nicely. Yeah, I, I figure you know if it's if 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 I'm gonna go into it looking to to really get some out of it, I'm gonna watch it the best way I can. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, yeah, I, it's it's worth your time. Like I say, I'll be honest, I'll be disappointed if if it were in that list at the end of the year, but it's it's a cracking time. Good. Lastly, is a film I never thought I'd watch again. Right, I'm interested to know what the fuck this is going to be. I was in the gym. I was about to do a session on the old elliptical. So the gym watches are back, Mark. The gym watches are back. Yeah, it's been years, but they're back. Um, I was like looking through Netflix. and I was like, right, okay, I need something that's going to keep my attention, kind of like keep, keep me pumped up. I remember the first 20 minutes of this being all right. And then it went off a... Hill. Let's see how Michael Bay's Six Underground holds up. <laughs> yeah, everybody says the same thing about Six Underground. The first 20 minutes are fucking great, but then you've got to watch the next two hours. Yeah, so look, I'm I'm still there. It's still a two out of five for me. It's not changed at all. But the thing is, I tricked myself again with that opening 20 minutes <laughs> where... It's it's very fun. It's propulsive. You've got Dave Franco in there, just like 
being fun with Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, like, yes, being fun as well. And just all these random characters and, like, kind of like, there's just this intro to them while they're speeding around Florence in a supercar. And then, for the next hour, the film basically seems like it's just a trailer for itself. (laughs) Oh, it's so fucking weird. Where they're just constantly talking about we're dead, we're an elite band, and blah, 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 and this is number one, this is number two. Who do you think number one actually is? And, you know, constantly flashing all over the place, and it literally feels like you could have made 32-minute trailers of the next hour. <laughs> it, it's very odd. And then it, it kicks into this plot of they just want to overthrow this dictator and install his brother. And... It's Ryan Reynolds doing wisecracks, but also having to be mean, which is, and and like uncaring, which is, uh, Ryan Reynolds can't really do both at the same time. I'm not sure he could be mean and uncaring, to be honest. Well, yeah, even if if you go back and look at it, it, he's he's always kind of like the nicer guy, isn't he? Mm, Yeah, yeah. You've got, this song in the film that keeps on fucking playing. At one point, they take the piss out of the song in the film, but it keeps on playing. It's like diegetic in the film at one point. Like Ben Hardy makes like a, a video about revolution. He uses this song, and Ryan Reynolds is talking about how it's a fucking awful song and it's a bad choice. And Michael Bay just continues to keep on playing it. But then you've also got war crimes being committed and these shots of revolution happening in 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 this place and the ending i forgot about this because i was pissed when i watched it the first time is just this fucking bizarre i'm not sure how how i'm supposed to feel about this so spoilers if you care about six underground (laughs) but the ending is the dictator is like taken off in this helicopter and it's revealed oh shit it's actually our heroes and his brother and then he's dumped off in like a poor part of his country where people just run up to him video him on their phones and stuff and just fucking brutalize him and kill him and then and and then they they fly off all kind of looking like solomon like we got the job done and it's just it's this kind of like barbaric. You didn't just kill him, like you fucking fed him to the wolves, kind of thing. Which is like that's what he deserved, because he's a fucking dictator, and we're badasses. But we're gonna feel bad about it because it's a bit morally dubious. But still, we did it. And then Ryan Reynolds is gonna have a joke in thirty seconds. It's very odd. Uh, I'm the yeah. same as you. I, I think I was a little bit. I think I had like three or four points when I watched it, and then came in, watched it, and got, like was kind of like in that state of going, "I am about to fall asleep, but I might get through this." And I got through it in that stage. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, it, if if memory serves, it came out the Friday before Christmas mm. in 2019, before the horror year started. Um, and, and you know, it was Netflix's big like holiday release that year um and 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 yeah it it just it's michael bay basically doing chat gpt michael bay after the opening 20 minutes 
but he's done ambulance and since. Yeah, and, and 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 that's the thing. Like ambulance, it was like I want to, I want to fucking shoot something. All right, I've got some restrictions, have I? All right, I'll make that work. Get me a drone. Yeah, and 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 then he just goes off. Yeah, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, like, gonna I'm gonna put these three people in a fucking ambulance. <laughs> yeah, and like using those LA streets where it's like no fuckers even using the streets anyway, so you may as well. Yeah, and and just doing mad shit. And you know, and that felt more true to what he wants to do these days than Six Underground does. Yeah, Six Underground, bad film, great opening twenty minutes. <laughs> great short film, bad film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we are. Uh, that's me. Cool, cool. Um, you've arrived, haven't you, Becky? I have arrived. Yes. Um, so I want to throw you straight deep in there, Bex. What 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 have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? Yeah, I haven't done anything except watch films again. Yeah, yeah. Hey. What 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 horror series have you taken on this week? <laughs> well, oh Cooper, bugger off! Sorry, I'm getting attacked. Um, so I continued with my gosh, I even have a chance to catch my breath. Continued with my Annabelle stuff. Um and watched Annabelle Comes Home. Um, interesting one, actually, because obviously we spoke about Ouija last week, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And I, one, of, mm. one of the comments that I made was that it was like if they tried to make a paranormal teen slasher and it just fails. Mm. Um, and then that night I watched um, Annabelle Comes Home and that succeeds where Ouija has failed. Obviously, you've got the the Judy stuff. So you've got your, your conjuring connection and mm. the paranormal stuff all goes on. But you've got the the babysitter trope, the parents being away from home and, and on all this kind of stuff. And, and it does, it feels like a teen slasher vibe, but with loads of like creepy shit going on. So... I. I, I mean, I remember liking it when it first came out, Annabelle Comes Home, but it, it really does succeed where others have failed in that sort of melding of the two. Was that the third one? Mm. Yeah, quite the third one. Mm. Yeah, it's good. And you get a bit more of... Um, you get more of, like, the the Warrens stuff, like the creepy room, more of, like, the... <sighs> More of the conjuring law, isn't that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like other other cases they've done. Like I'd love them to just make a film for every one of the <laughs> artifacts that are in that room, but that's just not really very realistic. So I mean, we... the Pope's Exorcist is going to try and do 199. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, keep the faith. Yeah, <laughs> that should be the tagline. I Sorry, that. <laughs> um, but like that samurai guy, I want to know what his fucking story is. I want that film. I'm sure we'll get it at some point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, you've got the the bride. You've got the... Uh, oh gosh, what's he called? Ferryman with the creepy guys with the coins in their eyes and things like that. So it's, it's just... There's a bit more there. Um, so, right. I'll, I'll loop back around to those two because I also watched The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. Um, so keeping with the uh, 
warrants a cinematic universe. Mm. <laughs> um, do you know what The Conjuring? I always kind of when I'm when I've not recently watched it, I always kind of think of The Conjuring as being like Insidious and Sinister's toothless cousin. Mm. Like it's not like it's not very scary. Mm. Like it's good, but it's not very scary. And then when I when I've rewatched it recently, like it it's so fucking good. Is the Conjuring? Yeah, just like yep. so fucking good. And and one thing I noticed. Um, I, would this... say, I, I would say the Conjuring is better than Sinister or Insidious. Sinister's fucking great. Yeah, but I think the Conjuring's better. Have you seen those home videos, Mark? Yeah. No, not not that I think it's bad, but just that I don't think it goes in as hard. But then when you actually watch it... She said. <laughs> Fives. Um, but then, yeah, it, I mean, it, it really fucking does. Um, it's, it's so scary at points. Like, I, th- I think... Um, the, 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 the more you watch it, like, you pick up on different things. So, I, like, identifying more with the mother in it and how terrifying that must be. To be used to hurt your own children. Mm. Mm. It's fucking awful. Um, but one thing that I did kind of notice on on this watch that I don't know that I've necessarily picked up on previously with this one is just... I mean, I, I've, I've picked up before on the fact that they are just so good together. Vera Farmiga and Patrick Stewart are so good as Ed and Lorraine. And they have a really great chemistry and they feel like a... Um, a believable married couple that are in love mm. and obviously you get more of that in The Devil Made Me Do It because it's it's about their kind there's stuff about their origin story as well isn't there in there yeah um, but just the fact that she, she's this very sort of together woman until he says something to her and then it's like her face completely changes and she becomes really like girlish and like you, you know like she's a bit like coy around him and I've not really picked up on that in the first one before. Um, oh, and they're just so fucking wholesome in number two as well. Like number two, for me, is is a lesser movie. It doesn't succeed as well. And I think part of that is the setting. I think the Americanness of them in the bleak, miserable fucking greyness of London. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. But that's the point though, isn't it? Yeah, no, I know, I get that. It just, it, it doesn't, the story feels quite rushed in Conjuring 2. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like there's as much meat on the bones. Which is, you know, obviously you've got the old man. You've got the reveal that the old man is actually also trapped by Valak. And you've got the crooked man bit. You know, there's some suitably creepy shit in there. Mm. But it just... It feels like it meanders. And then it just sprints. Mm. The pacing's off. For me. Um, oh, the, the, oh, God. The bit where, where he plays the guitar, though. Like, I, was, I was watching that bit last night. And... Um, it's just it's just so sweet he is so he's so in that character like their 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 interpretation of the warrens is just it's the love story the world needs it just is they're just beautiful together and they love each other so much 
the love story the world needs. Yeah, definitely. Demon fighting, hunting couple just fucking really in love. (laughs) Who are actually like real grifters in real life. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the real Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about... Warren's, All right. Warren's cinematic universe. I don't know. Oh shit! All right. <laughs> um, so, in the midst of all this stuff, um, I decided that I was going to watch the Terrifier movies, and I'm going to speak about them. Oh shit! That's okay. Is it the second one? Like two and a half hours long. It's long. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Go yeah. on. I'm sorry. That's just genuinely taking me by surprise. <laughs> How are they? So, right, I'm going to speak about them as a duo because, like, the <laughs> plots are... Well, the first one doesn't really have a plot. Okay, so comparing the two, you've got The Terrifier, which feels like a film school project. And it's there's not really much plot. It's evidently not much of a budget. But there's a good idea behind it. Like, oh... Right, it's Halloween and this clown just fucking kills people in really, really fucking gnarly ways. Like there's some there is some gore in this. Um and it's it's a really interesting watch from that point of view. Like the practical effects are really well done, the the tension is kept really well, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a good film. It's it's a good thing to watch as like Akira. Kind of, yeah. It's it's as a as a, a study of low budget filmmaking craft, right? And if you like gore, there's 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 some good shit in there. There's some there's some real good shit. It's grim. I I said to you, didn't I? Like I wouldn't recommend it to you because I don't think you'd I don't think you'd find it interesting enough for it to work as a curio for you. And I think you'd just be like, this is just gross. And Ian, you it would probably just don't you would hate it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I believe you. Um, but Art the Clown's really good. He's um. Is he one of your best friends now? <laughs> no. Oh, he's oh, he's grim. Um, but he's 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 scary. The guy that played him, um, I was reading like in the trivia, he studied mime, so that's why all the mannerisms are so well done. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I enjoyed my time with it. And then you've got the second one, which obviously has got a bit more of a budget. Obviously, they've put a bit more thought into the plot, and it feels like a real film. It has a beginning, middle, and an end, and it, and it, it's a film. Whereas the first one is just a bunch of kills in a building with a man who's trying to get rid of the rats. The second one is is more of a kind of again like a teen slasher kind of vibe that they've gone for with it, where he's stalking this girl, um, and it it suffers for that, like it's trying to be, it's trying to be a real film, which I you know I have to respect that, but it, it you've got the kind of teen slashers can be grim but they're not really generally very grim are they they're, they're, they're kind of cotton wool wrapped grim yeah but this one keeps the grim juxtaposed against teen shit mm. and I, I just don't think it works as well as the first one 
Is that awesome? Mm. Because it's fucking two and a half hours long. It is really, yeah. really long. Yeah. Yeah, I had to do that one in two sittings. I actually watched the end of Terrifier 2 while the coronation was on. Solid. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think if... There are... There are well, especially the first one, it's it's a good curious... Oh, and I said to you as well, didn't I? One thing I liked about the first one is with a lot of films of this type, you end up having some kind of paranormal element. Mm. Um, you know, like, the killers end up being, like, fucking weirdly... Um, gosh, what's the word? Impervious to, mm. to damage. And they just keep fucking coming back. Whereas, you know, like, in this, in the first one, up till the last, what, maybe five minutes, like... The clown, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. You know, he gets knocked back. He gets slowed down. Um, and then at the end, he gets killed. But then it fucks it in the last five minutes because he comes back from the dead. And then the second one is all paranormal shit. Yeah. So that's another reason why I preferred the first one. But yeah, I, <laughs> they're, they're definitely worth a watch if you like that kind of film. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. Um, and then... Anything else apart from the one we watched together? No. I watched Oz the Great and Powerful. How was that on a rewatch? Because I remember that starting really good and then getting really boring. I, I, I mean, and Becky is the person who's watched it twice. Which is something we usually say about what Mark watches, yeah. so this is a treat. I've actually yeah. watched this a number of times. What? Becky, to be fair, I watched Six Underground for the second time this week. So that... <laughs> um, I, I, do you know what? I really liked Oz the Great and Powerful when it, when it first came out and watched it a few times at that time and then haven't watched it for quite a while. And I don't... It's good, and I think it holds up. It, it's essentially like an origin story for the wizard, isn't it? It's like a prequel. Yeah. I just, I just can't get past the Franco-ness of it. Fair. He's he's quite. Francoy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's quite sleazy. So Francoy then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But like, but then he's supposed to be because he's a con man. But then he's also a bit pervy, and it's like Franco-y. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just I wish they'd cast somebody else. At the time, he wasn't. I don't think his Franco-iness was quite as apparent as it is now. Yeah, yeah. And now watching it, knowing more, yeah. it's like, oh, I really wish someone else was in this. I think they should just cast Patrick Stewart and everything. Not Patrick Stewart. What's his name? Off of Conjuring. Patrick Wilson. Well, that's it. Patrick Stewart's Picard, isn't it? Patrick Stewart, Patrick Wilson, yeah. tomato, tomato. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they should just cast him in everything because he's just real wholesome. That's me. Cool. Well, we'll do what we nice. did. We'll do what we did together. I'll do mine, and then we'll, we'll do our main review. We're doing a backwards show this week. Crazy. Yes. Because I wasn't here. Yes. Uh, we re we re rewatched Roadhouse, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Because <laughs> it's Roadhouse. Yeah. 
It's real weird to see Sam, Sam Elliott young is still Sam Elliott old, but do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. You're looking at Sam Elliott and going, well, this is 35 years ago. Yeah. But he still looks like he's... Yeah. Older. Yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. And they're, they're all calling him, like, grandpa and shit, are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well... You wait and see, because he's still going to be around in 2023. Yeah. Ben Gazzara as one of the great fucking villains of the 80s. Yeah, he's he's a scumbag, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 Brad Wesley is, is, a, is, a, is a perfect villain. The bit where he's just driving along his car and just swerving around while singing to yeah. himself is, is great. It's a... Yeah. I said to you, didn't I, when we were watching it, the whole central conceit of this movie is ridiculous. I am fascinated what the uh, the remake of this is going to be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Jake Gyllenhaal is, is Dalton uh, Roadhouse movie, where he's an ex-UFC <laughs> fighter. Who else is in it? Someone else is in it. Like a UFC person. Conor McGregor has a cameo, apparently. Right, he's got a cameo. Right, okay. Yeah, fine. I don't think he's... He, he's he's not... Even he's... Because someone said about the acting thing uh, with it. And even uh, Conor McGregor said, I think people are over... <laughs> are um, over... Um, playing. <laughs> I mean, this. it is... Billy Madison's it, it, in it. Mm. Conor McGregor pops up on my YouTube every now and then where he's like fucking shilling for some crypto firm. And I swear to God, all he says is like, it's the app or something like that. And it's like, right, is that all All you were, you were uh, going to say? You're like, you get three words, pay me $10 million. Or were they just like, we can't use any of this? <laughs> he says like three fucking words. Yeah. And... Yeah, Conor McGregor, an impressive physical specimen. That that will be about it. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just very interested for what a Doug Lyman, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Dalton movie is going to be about. I wonder who's going to be playing mm. like the um, Sam Elliott role. Sam Elliott. I don't think it's <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. I don't think it's a direct remake. I think it's okay. like he's his little brother or something like that. Like, there's something like that in it. I'm, it, it. They're being very coy about what it actually is. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Joan Hall thing gets me uh, interested. We also rewatched the recruit, didn't we? Gosh, I haven't even logged this. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um it's Nothing. It's Colin Farrell in like the middle of his like post uh, Minority Report Colin Farrell explosion, mm. um, but also you've got Pacino just wandering around Pacinoing things. He's Pacinoing the show. Yeah. yeah, he is just Pacinoing everywhere, all over this movie. <laughs> but my God, is he is it watchable? Watching him be Pacinoy in it. He doesn't. He doesn't shout anything about. Colin Farrell having a great ass. He doesn't, but he. he and I loved that. He, but you almost feel like like there's a there's a like there's, an outtake. there's a fifteen cut in this movie where he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, the the plot makes no sense whatsoever. No, no, <laughs> the recruit. So he recruits him for the CIA, then seemingly like causes him to 
get kicked out. Get kicked out, which was always the plan so that he could then replant him back in as the special CIA agent out of this group to infiltrate the person who thought they were the special CIA agent out of this group because she's actually a double agent. But then she's not. But then she's He's not. Actually... He's actually a double agent. Yeah. And the whole thing makes no sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Colin but... Farrell looks too old for this role as well. It, but the fact is, you keep you kept saying that, but he's only like two years older than the role he's supposed to be playing. <laughs> I don't know whether maybe it's just because he doesn't look that much different now. Yeah. So, mm. like, he looks like grown-up Colin Farrell. But the fun thing I had with this movie is every so often when you go... This movie doesn't make so much sense. Pacino just starts Pacinoing, and you're like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care anymore. Fair. Yeah. yeah. I had a good time with watching rewatching the recruit. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, I've got mine now. Oh god. Uh, what the fuck? We watched Phone Booth. Oh, fair. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, man. Um, Phone Booth is a fucking cracking movie. Yep. Um, and. Colin Farrell again in, in a, an early Farrell role um, is really fucking good. It was like he'd been in Minority Report, but he, he'd played like the sleaze ball in Minority Report, mm. um, and he'd been in a few like low key Brit films. Mm. This was like the first film where people went, "Oh, hang on a minute, so he can act." <laughs> um, and he's he's really good in it, but I, I kept forgetting that everybody else in it, because of course it's a George Schumacher film, everybody else in it is somebody you recognise. <laughs> so like the random girl that he's talking to is Katie Holmes and his wife is Rana Mitchell. And I completely forgot that the um the cop that he's talking to is Forrest Whitaker. Mm. Mm. And you watch it going, This is the most Forrest Whitaker of Forrest Whitaker roles. Like Every, it seems like every like, every fifteen, ten to fifteen years, you get a new like type of role that Forrest Whitaker can play. Yeah, and it's <laughs> they like just plays the shit out. And, it, and it, you watch it going, God, like, it, like Forrest Whitaker is really fucking like watchable. You wouldn't look at a picture of Forrest Whitaker and go, "Yep, yeah, that's a charismatic as fuck screen presence." But then the minute he starts doing anything, you go. Yeah, fucking, he's 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 fun to watch. <laughs> like in the eighties, he was just playing like generic like sidekick. Yeah, usually like a cop or like Good Morning Vietnam, where he's playing like the sidekick uh, army guy. It turns to be fucking Bloodsport and things like that. Mm. But he's always really watchable. And it's yeah, Phone Booth is a cracking movie, and it is eighty minutes long. <laughs> right, sorry. Forest Whitaker's IMDb little mini profile thing that they put next to actors yep. starts with Forest Stephen Whitaker has packaged a king size talent into his hulking six foot two, two hundred and twenty pound frame. Yep. Oh my! What a weird way to start that off. It's 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 still I've probably read this one out before, but it's still not the best ever for one. It is Tom Aitkins is the best. So Tom Aitkins. Tom Aitkins' biography, and I have, I'm sure I've been out before on, on, on Film Bastards. Is, Do you mean Tom Atkins? Yes, sorry, Atkins, yeah. Um, right. Handsome, rugged, versatile, and charismatic character actor. <laughs> yeah, that fucking rules. And it's like, it's, I just, I love the fact that he has clearly fucking wrote that, read, wrote that himself and yep. gone, 
Yep, fucking send. Yep. Incredible. <laughs> his publicist's gone, are you sure you want us to use this? He's gone, yep. Do you know what, though? IMDB, for something that's really quite a dry database-based app, Yeah. it's kind of wild sometimes on there, isn't it? It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Alexander Skarsgård's fucking profile picture just always gets me. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, phone booth. Cracker. Also, a fun opening bit as the credits go in. It's talking about phone booths and how much they get used, and then but talking about like cellular phones. And apparently, there are there are over ten million people in the New York district, and three million of them have cell phones. <laughs> you like going? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just you wait. This is a timestamp. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, rewatched uh, Flight of the Phoenix, the two thousand four one. The, the, uh, Dennis Quaid Dennis Quaid yeah Dennis Quaid yeah. Uh, Giovanna Ribisi Tyrese Gibson Hugh Laurie is there um, mm. yeah so basically a plane crashes and um, the only way they can get out of it's in the middle of the desert the only way they can get out of the middle of the desert is by rebuilding another another plane out of the crashed plane and um, and it is the idea of this mysterious stranger played by Giovanni Ribisi. Which again is perfect casting. And it's just for like, but the fun thing is, like the opening like 25 minutes, half an hour, is Dennis Quaid just essentially playing dashing. Um, and then the next 20 minutes is just Giovanni Ribisi just wandering around looking at stuff in the background. <laughs> and then you watch it going, go, literally just doing the DiCaprio meme, pointing at him mm. constantly. And then all of a sudden you find out that he literally designs planes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's, got, he's getting him to redo this entire plane. And then just as it's about to take off, spoiler alert for a 20-year-old uh, movie that is actually a remake of a 60-year-old movie. No, no, sorry. Yeah, 60-year-old movie. Um, turns out he doesn't actually design planes. He designs model planes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, but it's a fun watch, actually, is, is Flight of the Phoenix. Fair enough. Um, nice. Two more. Watch the big year. You've is that the it. fucking bird watching? It is one. the bird watching one here, yes. Right, cool. So I watched the big year. Now, usually, like you guys would say, oh, Mark, you're all right. Yeah, though. right. However, I have yeah, a good okay. reason for why I watched this. Is it Jack Black? It's got Jack Black, Steve Martin, and Owen Wilson in it. They are three leads, and I thought, do you know what? I bet that's just quite nice to watch. Okay. Because it's. It's a 12A movie about birding um, that stars Jack Black, Steve Martin, and Owen Wilson. And the idea of it is, the big year is a birding thing where you've got to spot as many different varieties of birds in America in one year as you can. And it's basically like Owen Wilson has set the, the, the record for this of 732. <laughs> So he's like a big deal in the birding community. Um, Is he real Owen Wilson in it? He's quite Owen Wilson in it, but not like too far that you don't believe he could be a real person. Owen Wilson in it. Um, Steve Martin plays like a um, a high flying like um, business executive who is re- who's retiring, 
so he can do his big year before he can't do it anymore. And Jack Back plays just like an everyday Joe who is like using all his life savings and mounting up massive amounts on credit cards just to do a year, do his big year. And it's them kind of, it's Jack Black and Steve Martin kind of teaming up to compete against Owen Wilson, but not in like a nasty way. And the thing is, it's kind of fun and throffy throughout it. Yeah. But at the undertone of it, it like, like Jack Black like spends like tens of thousands of pounds on credit card debt just to do this. Steve Martin's character actually probably has the best arc in that he realises that he doesn't need to have the most, see the most birds. He just kind of enjoys like the, the thrill of it all. And that's kind of it. He, he, his so character... Can, just to clarify, the thrill of bird watching. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But Owen Wilson like, completely destroys his relationship with Rosamund Pike. <laughs> because he keeps just like darting off around America to find these birds. Right. It's a really weird film that I kind of enjoyed, but then kind of went, I, I don't think the message that you think that you are sending is the right message. Mm. These people shouldn't be doing this. It's almost like a disease. Addiction is a disease. And it is a little bit like that. Uh, Where did you even come across this film, Mark? You watch some weird shit. Fuck you. Um... Right, uh, and, and now on to a section of the show that Ian has titled. <laughs> Just finding the exact title. Are you okay, Mark? <laughs> it's, it's titled, Dash Me Hawk, I Barely Knew Her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> taking on my own mini marathon here <laughs> and when I say mini marathon I mean 43 movies by the end of the year fuck's sake and five yeah. in so far and I'm strapped yeah. in and fucking going for this yeah. I'm yeah. committing to watching by the end of this year and we're five months through it mm-hmm. all of Dash Mihawk's movies Fine. there'll be some you'll want to watch with me I will yeah so I watched uh, the 2006 movie, uh, Tenth and Wolf. Okay. Uh, which is based on a story by uh, Joseph Pistone, um, of course, who is the real guy from Donnie Brasco. To clarify, it's not based on a story that happened to him. It's just based on an idea for a film he had and then somebody wrote <laughs> nice. it. Um, so you can get the idea is the fact that you've got James Marsden plays a... Um, an ex, uh, it was a marine uh, from this district, Tenth and Wolf, um, who joined the Marines to get out of like the uh, the trappings of his lineage, of his entire family worked within the um, Italian mafia, within the Irish mafia. Okay. There, um, and so he joined Marines, but then he literally he ends up getting in trouble because he beats up. Um, one of his COs, and then steals a a truck. And you find out halfway through the movie, like that, that's where the movie starts, and halfway through the movie, like Giovanni Ribisi's character, who plays his cousin, who he is now kind of 
he's kind of like investigating to try and get him off the hook. So he's playing like a... He's been planted in there by the FBI on the sense that if you get us this guy, we won't go after your little brother and your cousin, who is played by Brad Renfro and Giovanni Ribisi. Um, but like he, he explains what actually happened for why he ended up like on uh, being court-martialed for it. And he basically says that he got pissed off, got drunk, <laughs> beat up his CEO, and then stole a, stole a Humvee and tried to drive to go and kill Saddam Hussein himself. <laughs> okay. And, and everyone just starts okay. laughing. He's yeah. like, yeah, I know, I know. I'm like, so what happened? He went, I ran out of petrol. <laughs> <laughs> and, and apparently that is based upon a real guy that the writer knew that, got that, ha- that kind of happened to him. Um, it's very like by the numbers. Where's Dash Mihawk? Oh, I'll get to Dash Mihawk. Okay. It's very by the numbers kind of um, undercover agent who doesn't really want to do it mm. uh, there. So it, it's it's fun enough if you like that kind of movie, but there are a lot better movies out there. But um, Giovanni Ribisi is in very Giovanni Ribisi territory. Um, Brad Renfro is doing some interesting stuff, playing his his little brother, playing James Mars' little brother, who isn't quite all there. Mm. Um, and uh, and James Marsden, you're spending the entire time watching James Marsden going, "Fuck yeah, he's a good looking man. He's a really good looking man." Um, throughout the entirety of it, and yeah, <laughs> and you, like Val Kilmer randomly turns up, Brian Dennehy's in it. There's some good <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. But then, of course, you've got Dash. Yes. Who plays Giovanni Ribisi's like business partner um, in it? <laughs> who's called Junior? And it, the opening bit of him is he beats a man to death with his wooden leg. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not the man hasn't got a wooden leg. Junior has a wooden leg. Oh, he takes off his own. He takes off his own wooden leg because the guy comments on the fact that he limped to meet him and is that why he was so late? And so he beats him to death with his wooden leg. Later on in the movie, he gets stabbed in the head by the wife of the guy with the wooden leg who he's trying to sexually assault. Okay. Yeah. And his response to getting stabbed in the head is, why'd you do that? Then at that moment, the bar that he owns gets raided, so all the fucking all this SWAT team comes in. Dash Mihawk just stood there, still stood there with a knife in his head. She just turns around, and looks at him, and goes, "Who are you guys?" And then just dies. Gosh. Yeah. So yeah, um, five out of five possible film of the year for two thousand six. <laughs> I it was fun. It, it's it's very much my my speed. I enjoyed watching it. Fair enough. Yeah. Don't know what's going to be the Dash movie of next week, but we'll see. It's going to be a roller coaster, isn't it? I can't can't wait. Not doing them in an order, just doing them in a random order. (laughs) But yeah, but uh, we'll we'll have more. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three in a week. Who knows? Wow, crazy. Let's see see where this crazy world takes us. Right, now it's time for our feature review at the end of our show. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 um, is 
happened six years since Guardians Volume 2. Wow. Which is bonkers. Um, Marvel have been wasting their fucking time on TV shows. Yeah, it's it's the, the usual cast. It's Guardians. I'm not going to go into it. Um, yeah. Plot is that um, the Guardians are in nowhere. Where is their new headquarters? Um, and then... Um, what's she his name? Up. Adam Warlock fucking turns up to retrieve Rocket. Rocket ends up almost dying, but they find out that his heart has like a kill switch attached to it, and so the gang go to try and get the passcode, get the passcode for it, and then bump into um, Chiquiti uh, uh at the High Evolutionary. Ian, what do you think to Guardians Volume Three? So yeah, uh, obviously we'd come into this wary mm. you know um i think it's fair to say that our comments on james gunn have been makes good films kind of seems like he's a bit of a prick yeah um does he and yeah he does really? he a does little. seem like he's got a little bit high on the smell of his own farts oh, okay yeah yeah the uh uh, a little bit of the geek who made good and now he's lording it over every one thing that I think Taika Waititi has a little susan of as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I will say one funny thing, just sorry, to just mad it up, just yeah, no, it in my head. Have either of you guys seen the clip um, up where um, James Gunn's mentioning the uh, the dummy that they made? Um, I've seen no. With it, uh, so... James Gunn's talking about this dummy that they made of uh, of Peter Quill, hmm. um, and he's saying that it like that the, the dummy was actually in his uh, office for ages, and he says you know everyone that would come in it could come in, and but he says come in it and he says would come in would look at this what is it and Chris Pratt just goes you let people like what what and he's like good what do you let people like come in it. <laughs> Going, what is going like the dummy of what how many people did, and like James Gunn's trying to keep a straight face as Chris Pratt is just saying how many people have come in this fucking dummy of me <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guy who's like sat there at like this press junket trying to just just does not know what to do because Chris Pratt just keeps fucking going with this I'm almost offended but I, I kind of want to know who, who came in it <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, wow. Um, okay. So yeah. Um, so the, the, the thing is, I kind of with Guardians Three and with with the other films as well. I do kind of feel like he does put his heart into the the, the things that he's making. Mm. Um, I thought this was a really interesting way of saying goodbye where you're not just emphatically closing the door by like killing people and like burning it all to the ground which he easily could have done um but instead it it's telling its own story it's leaving the door open for them to go on other adventures and stuff like that, but it's not necessarily com- saying coming up next. Like the the post credits thing where it says the legendary Star Lord will return feels like 
that's not a James Gunn thing. That's like a Disney mandated thing. But the thing about this film is that it doesn't necessarily feel like there's an awful lot of Disney mandated stuff in it. No. It also doesn't uh, necessarily state Peter Quill will, will return as Star Lord. No, no, no. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's true as they well. Could get I, it, that it, way. Yeah, and I, 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 Chris Pratt said he's happy to come back, like mm-hmm. which I think is smart for Chris Pratt's sake. Mm. Um. Dave Batista and Zoe Saldana are the two who have gone like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, they're, dead. they're um, very much done, aren't they? Yeah, and Zoe Saldana, where that ends up with her just being with the Ravagers, it's like, yeah, cool, alright, yep. fine. Leave that be. Um, yeah, I like that they kind of sort of had them getting on better at the end, but didn't get them back together. Mm. Like, that would have just been a bit... Ick. Well, yeah, well, not ick, but just a bit like lazy. Yeah. I think it would have been the lazy thing to do. Whereas having her being happy with the Ravagers and like them being the family that she had with the Guardians before mm. was quite nice. Like it gave her, it, it gave her more agency. I think, like rather than just being, you know, she was Gamora to start off with, and then she was like Peter Quill's girlfriend. And then, oh, she's Gamora again. She's like her own thing. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, it, you know, he was he was dealt an interesting hand because, like, the whole killing her and bringing a different her back was foisted on him. Mm. And I, I, I think he's made a really good job of that. Um, the, 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 the key thing here for me, though, is the... You know, it is the rocket stuff. Um, I found that plot fucking wild for one of these films. Um, it I teared up multiple times just at how fucking horrible Rocket's experience was. So there was genuinely a lot of people just in tears, wasn't there? The bit where he dies and they try to bring him back. Uh, yeah, there was, there was yeah. a guy across the road, like, road from us, wasn't there? He was just, he, he he was like, I am not ashamed at how much I'm crying right There's now. There's people sobbing. Yeah. I, I was crying, but I wasn't like audibly crying. A little, no. few little sniffles maybe, but like there was, there was crying going on. Mm. It's when he's little Rocket and oh. his first fucking word is hurts. Oh, it's like, make me cry. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's... But this is the thing. It's it's a film that's really trying to be more than you would expect from the boundaries of the MCU. And not just in that, like, orgosphere stuff where it's just fucking weird visually for, like, 15 minutes or so. Um... And like it kind of speaks to James Gunn's more tromery kind of days. Mm. Um, it felt like it was made with heart. I don't think it's perfect. I think Adam Warlock basically doesn't need to be there as much as I think Will Porter is good. Oh, I thought he was he's, great. He's, I love that. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. He's no, yeah. I like him. Doesn't need to be there. I feel like if he wasn't set up in Guardians Volume Two, him and Debicki wouldn't be in it. No, but it's it's. It, I, I like the fact that they, they took him from being like set up in like the end of Guardians Two as like he's going to be the next big Guardians villain to just a fucking idiot. He's an idiot, and I, yeah, the whole kind of like you made us, 
you made us take him out too early kind of, like he's not quite done yet like that that that's a great one line explanation of okay he's strong but he's a fucking idiot okay cool so and then the you know the, but, the, the bit where he's like where he, where he accidentally kills the guy and he's like I, I don't like the way that thing's making me feel oh, <laughs> yeah. no i mean I like, like and i think this th- ended up being like just one of his projects though. that so that that's the thing right and i'll shut up in a second but that's the thing i'm not entirely sure i did like that because guardians volume 2 they're this really like celestial these are the perfect people race and it's like oh actually no they're just beneath this guy's foot and it, like, there's just there's no foreshadowing of that whatsoever in two and it feels like gun trying to write himself out of something there but to be fair, Gunn had to write himself out of a lot of things because of like the events of Endgame, and I I, I can't poo poo it that much. I my this is my favourite MCU film since Endgame by a bit of a distance. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and I yeah yeah I, I kind of get a sense of what you guys thought because I've been talking so much that it's just leaked through. So apologies, but yeah, what do you guys think? Um. Should we go first, Max? Let me go first. You go first. Um, I, I think it's helped by the fact that it is. It doesn't feel like, and I think you said this, Ian. That it, it, like it doesn't feel like in any way this is having to influence a future Marvel movie. Mm. It's very singular, very contained within it. Um, but also as well, it isn't afraid to go. Oh, you think this movie is going to be about Peter and Gamora and that? No, no, no. It's actually about Rocket. Nebula. Um, it, 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 yeah, it's more Nebula story than, than that, is it? Mm. But it's like, it, and it, it, it then makes you go, James Gunn essentially going, you do realise that these entire three films have all been about Rocket. You've just not realised it. Um, and there's that there. I think it's helped by the fact that you've got a fucking great villain. He's such... And it, a good film. Yeah, not just like such a cunt. Yeah, he's not that just bit, such a cunt. I said to you when we got out, didn't I? That bit where because they've set him up throughout the movie and made him so abhorrent, the bit where they all just fucking wail on him is so satisfying. Yeah, the fast pushcat kill girl. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, it's fucking. It's just. It's. It's. It's like. Yeah, it, I, I loved it. I was just like, yes, this is what I needed. I needed to see him get the shit being out of him. If he just got shot or something. Oh god, and they whip his face off. Well, it, 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 it's, it's a mask that he yeah. had because Rocket literally yeah. tore his face off before. Yeah. Um, but also, really good performance. You know, mm. if you're going to have somebody you can play who's going to just be manic, mm. because that's what essentially he is, you've got to have someone with a a voice that can carry that, with a voice that has this, mm-hmm, yeah. this like almost like gravitas to it, mm. but this almost like mad gravitas to it, this mania to it. Yeah, and you know he does. He has this 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 manic energy to him where he just where what where the where the point where they think they've got him like we're taking over. He's like, no, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's that, but he's just such a piece of shit. Yeah, but it's. It, I don't, like, again, like you said there, Ian, I don't think it's perfect. I think there, there's bits of it where it, it, it drags a little bit. Um, but then but then it didn't feel like it was two and a half hours long. No. Um, I think 
it will be one of those things I think it will drag on a rewatch certain bits and it is the bit that you mentioned where they go to the what's it the uh, bit with Nathan Fillion Augosphere Augosphere that's the fucker when they go to that I think that will drag on a rewatch because it's a little bit like like gang goes to place has to infiltrate things go wrong have to blast their way out Mm. kind of bit um, and then it, and it does start to get to the point of where you're going okay I get it but I kind of need Rocket to actually be more involved now <laughs> and yeah. it does that at the right time yeah it does yeah. that he's like there it, it's yeah and then you get a nice wrap up at the end where you, you you kind of get a feeling that everybody's kind of okay yeah in their own special way yeah what did you think Bex? fucking loved it I, 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 nice. I agree with you it, it, it's not perfect like you said that section is a bit baggy but I, I, I just don't care it's fine yeah like if there was a showing of this on Saturday at a time when I could while I'm waiting for you to finish work I would be going to see this again I want to see this again in the cinema yeah Um, I think the the animal testing bit is done like it's it's obviously an indictment on not to that extent but on the cruelty that people put on animals as mm. part of that but like really not in an eaty vegetables kind of way if it is eaty vegetables it's some kind of really really interesting tasty vegetable ragu kind of situation it's not like a plate of broccoli it's it, it's it's just testament to the the world building of these films how fucking heartbreaking that is. Yeah, it, 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 I think it's tough. I think it's the... It, it's probably the darkest, I think, a Marvel movie's gone. Yeah. Well, they kill a fucking planet as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just perfectly nice families there. And, like, yeah, Peter sees that well. one... Sorry? <laughs> meth dealers as well. Yeah, but Peter sees the, like those meth dealers and whatnot. And the high evolutionary's like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really care about them as much. Spider Bunny freaked me out though. Spider Bunny was was yeah was 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 intense. It's making a point though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, vivisection and fucking like bolting all that. Like, it did a number on me. Mm. Like that whole fucking shit did a real number on me. Hmm. Yeah, sorry. It, it, it really I, gets me when I think about it. It's like it's, it's yeah, it, so fucking well done. Um, we we almost we almost took Lottie to it, oops. and then I started hearing and like Jordan literally texted me in the boy chat. It was like, Ian, you're going to struggle with this. Mm. I was like, fuck, all right, I better go watch it by myself then. Lots isn't going to be able to fucking watch this film for years, and, and I, I do not blame her. It, it, it's dark. It is dark. Yeah, it's quite it's it, it's quite upsetting. And it, 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 it like literally. If she watched it and she saw like Rocket's friends being fucking gunned down, like that would scar her. Mm. It, 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 like, and it does. Yeah, it, it's it's a. Uh, I think Gunn gets away with it within the context of the movie. I think he gets away. with I'm not how sure dark, he does. How dark I, it is. I think it's a really for for specific kids and adults. I think it's a really, really 
high up their 12A. I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 that, I agree with that. I think it is very much a, you are watching going, this maybe should have come with a little bit more of a warning. Yeah, like a it, 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 warning, it, it, yeah. It really did need a content yeah, warning. I, I, I'm I'm not normally a fan of content warnings. Um, but, I'm all cruelty shit though. But the fact of the matter is, um, if this was a 15, no fucking content warning. No, yeah, absolutely. And Ian quite got, easily could have you could have taken lots to that. You're, yep. You as somebody who, who um, is you know aware of what's in these films. I mean, to be fair, I took Lottie to see the house with a clock in its walls when she was four. So I'm an idiot. But but there is bits of that. I mean, I, I took um, my nephew, Tyler, when he was, what, about eight or nine to see The Dark Knight, didn't I? Yeah. And it was only when I was watching, and I'd already seen it, it was only when I was watching it, and I was a bit like, oh, this might be a bit fucking... Intense. You watch movies differently when you've got a kid sat next to you. Yeah, for 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 a kid, and and you know, and and I could see that he was a little bit freaked out by it. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think as well. You've obviously there's a, there's a large cast of characters in in this movie, and I think they are all absolutely perfectly dealt with. Like everyone's arc essentially is is coming to kind of. A bit of a resolution. Um, you know, you've got Dave Bautista um, gets to show that he's not just dumb and strong. Mm. Pom- is it Clementieff? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's really, yeah. Gets to, you know, st- fucking stick up for herself. Nebula's a real girl. Um, what's his face? Sean Gunn? Yeah. Is obviously is 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 obviously still grieving and learning to th- step into some oh. real fucking big shoes. Just big fan of the fucking Cosmo. Like, just the please, just tell me I'm a good dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that ask, was great. Obviously, you've watched more of the series and stuff. Has has Cosmo come from anything else, or just appeared in this? Uh, in the holiday special, uh, this is the thing they introduced that and the fact that Mantis and and Peter are brother and sister in the holiday special, which you're not necessarily gonna have watched. Yeah, we haven't watched it because we wanted to watch it at Christmas, and then we just ran out of time, didn't we? Mm. Until we were gonna travel back to it next Christmas. Mm. But then, yeah, there was quite a bit of it in this that were like, oh, that must be from. Well, the brother and sister bit, I just went, oh, well, yeah, I suppose that makes sense because Kurt Russell created her and him, so fine. Yeah. I, it... Yeah. But again, the, the dog is also just there in the holiday special. It's just you're kind of introduced to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's an odd one, isn't it? Fair play. When I saw Maria Bakalova on the cast list, I was a bit like, oh, for fuck's sake, really? I'm glad she was just a voice. And I think, I think she, she voices that really well. Yeah. Tell me I'm a good girl. You believe I'm a good girl. Oh, and then when he says at the end something like, and she's a good girl. <laughs> um, love that. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to say. It... I was really not looking forward to this. I am so pleased that it surprised me. It's, but it does. Hey, look. 
let's see what happens, obviously. But it does feel like a good jumping off point for people if they wanted to. Yeah, that's it. Cause, I mean, like I say, um, Batista's said, that's it, I'm done. Drax, the Destroyer is gone. I mean, for viewers as well, mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's a fair point, that. Yeah, because it's... It, it, I like the fact, like you said, that he, he doesn't set fire to it all and go... Yeah, yeah. Killing this guy off, killing this guy off, killing this guy off. Um, I do think we'll see Chris Pratt will come back as Star-Lord. Yeah. In future Marvel movies. I don't think it'll ever be a central character, but I do think there will be something that is there. I like the fact that Rocket finally accepts that he's a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, like you said, you're looking at that, that end bit did smack of, right, we were saying this, weren't we, Bex, that, you know, that would make a good Monster of the Week TV series. Oh, God, yeah, 100%. If, if, there, was, if there was one fucking Marvel TV show that I would watch, it would be The New Guardians. Mm. And, you know... Because they're... they're, they're a, like fun little team as well. Like that, that that section's really good. That mid cred. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and you know, you could see that being a possibility. Mm. You, you know who we're not talking about? Who? Chris Pratt. I but, actually thought he was really good in this. He, he's really good. In he's this. he's yeah. That's the thing. He's good, but it kind of also feels like he's been a bit unselfish and gone. Yeah, all right, fair play. It's not my film. Yeah, mm. that's it. He's he's. He's very happy to just kind of like be in the background and be just funny and a little bit broken as well. Mm. Uh, Considering his last outing of Star-Lord was <clears throat> fucking everything up. But he, but, but, Which they, 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 they mention in this, and again, James Gunn has said he's he was unhappy with the fact that all that shit basically happens because... Peter Quill has a tantrum, mm. but and I like the fact that they 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 kind of reference in it where he where he basically says yeah. had a breakdown, kind of almost ruined the universe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's you know it, it it felt like a good way to kind of acknowledge all of that mm. um, in like a, a fun way. But I know people don't like Chris Pratt. Mm. Um, I think there's reasons that people don't like Chris Pratt. I think some of them are a little bit made too much out of. Um, but he, he is a fun screen presence at points. He really is. You know, he's, he's funny and he gets the dramatic bits quite well. He's good in this. You know, him getting fucking, you know, when you've got um, Gamora saying he's gone. And him just saying no, he's not. It is you, you get this feeling of you know he's just he can't lose another fucking friend. Yeah. Um, you know to, to this, and it, it, you, you, it does get you. You know, part of the reason why so many people were fucking crying in our screening of that is Pratt's performance of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he gets to drop an f bomb. The f bomb. Yeah. Is now good. what? Open the fucking door. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even said in anger as well. Like, you get one F-bomb in the movie, you would think that it would be, they'd they'd save it to use it for like an angry moment. And it's just like, open the fucking door, dumbass. (laughs) It it almost feels a little bit like it might have just been, he just said that, and Gun's gone, 
look, guys, can we fucking keep this in? Isn't it the first F-bomb in a Marvel movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that it's pissed people off as well. Has it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of people going, this is disgraceful. This is a lot of really fucking just weirdly conservative people. Yeah. And like, annoying, like some younger people as well. Yeah. And it, you know, fuck's sake. It's like, yeah. It's like, get over yourselves, dickheads. <laughs> um, I'm definitely not shit. Like I say, it, it is, it's the, my favourite Marvel movie. I would go as far back to say, because I still have a lot of issues with Endgame. So it's my favourite probably Marvel movie since Infinity War. Yeah, you weren't as keen for Endgame. Really. No, Infinity I, War is the better movie. Yeah, I, 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 have, I, have, I think Endgame is a fantastic um, culmination of all of this incredible mm. thing that, that went on. I'm just not sure it's as good a movie as that mm. as the achievement is. Mm. But <laughs> in terms of for individual trilogies within the Marvel sphere that we've had. I think Gunn has probably made the best collection of three movies. Not saying they're the best three movies of the Marvel, but if you were to take the three Iron Man movies, for instance, mm. three Thor level of quality, and the, the Thor movies mm. level of quality, I would say that Guardians has the highest average. Mm. Okay. Yeah, fair. I love... Uh, I, I did... Once mentioned as well, I also really enjoyed Gamora just pre- thinking they were pretending that they understood what Brute was saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was quite amusing. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you're just winding me up now. You're just pretending that's what he's saying <laughs> until she can actually hear him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not shit. Yep. We all three definitely not sure. shit, I'm guessing, yeah. Right, we do have some questions. Uh, da 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 did you do an audience poll? I did do an audience poll. That's what I was looking for yeah, first and then completely forgot. Got sidetracked by my own brain. Um, Stupid brain. Definitely not shit, 79%. Touching cloth, 14%. And shit, 7%. Wow, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, yeah, we do have a few questions here. So... Uh, da, 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 da. Dylan Black Lanterns. Have you ever seen a ghost? I've never even seen the movie Ghost. <clears throat> You've not seen Ghost? No. Is that you just feels like that's going on the watch list. <laughs> you are. No, it feels like it's going on the watch list. You've not seen Ghost? How? It just looks a bit schmaltzy. I've never really gravitated towards it. Are you sure you're a girl? I've... Are you sure you're a boy? I've seen Ghost. Yeah, you watch all sorts of fucking shit rom-coms, though, don't you? It's the Bride Wars, 27 Dresses bullshit. 27 Dresses is a good, good point. Film. Just saying, it is a good film. I I haven't seen a ghost, but I've seen the same person walk past me while I've been running twice, even though they were probably about a quarter mile apart. Simulation. Simulation. That, no, I mean, that is pure simulation shit. But that happened. You seen a ghost, Becky? No. No. I think I I, I saw something that, I, uh, that in my youth I thought was a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. I probably just was pissed. <laughs> right. 
So I had like a lot of commotion outside my... I, I had the box room in my house when I was younger. Mm. Um, I heard a lot of commotion one night, like that's outside. because they didn't love you as much as they clashed. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, yeah. I literally had that explained to me quite, quite, quite frequently <laughs> by you. <laughs> no wonder you're hence, hence the fucking shrine yeah. to my sister that, that existed in our house. Um, yeah, but three shrines in our house of growing up. And there's just a stick figure drawn on a piece of A4 paper with like a passport. I, I, I'm sure I've covered this before on the oh, podcast. Oh no, you have the shrine, you have. Yeah, yeah, and the one picture of me that wasn't actually me, it was my sister, my dad just thought it was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, babe. Uh, yeah, I saw this, like, I, there was commotion outside, I was banging, and then looked outside my window and saw a figure running and then disappear. Um, yeah, literally like that. Wow. But it was probably just someone who was fucking pissed, and I just probably just... I didn't realise my eyesight was as bad as it was at the time. So you, just, you reckon they just went outside your sphere of vision? Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. Like, some weird kind of, like, trick of light. It's probably just that. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then we've got... Um, Andrew, lot of numbers. Um, Does teddy bear body horror have a place as an essentially kid's superhero flick? What? Sure, I get this question. That's just what it says, isn't it, Rebecca? I'm not making that up. Does teddy bear body horror have a place? Oh, I, th- I think he's asking, is it right that they've got all the animal testing shit in Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, yes. That's a good point. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, if he's saying that, then... Um, uh, yeah, great, no. great, but bordering on thanks, I hate it in parts. Can't yeah. decide whether the fuzzy animal torture right. was a bold, transgressive uh, uh, move or just a cheap audience exploitation. That's a very good point, actually, yeah. I don't think it's cheap I, audience I, exploitation. I don't know whether it has a place in these movies. Because the Guardians... No, I, I feel, for me, as a... 40 years old tomorrow. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Woman. It added to the movie. It, it made it feel more... It d- deeper. Yeah. But the Guardians movies have always been very, very colourful and family-friendly and... Yeah, four quadrant. But, yeah, yeah. But, but you also do have in the first Guardians movie, Peter Quill saying... You put a backlight around this around this cockpit, and it like that's line. a bollock. Yeah, but kids just it's one line. That. It's it, it, it's one line. And yeah, kids won't get it. Yeah, like it, it's you've that, got that's... something here that's universally understood. A three-year-old watches some of the images yeah. in, and I guess and, and they'll the understand is, what's happening. The thing is, I absolutely hundred percent agree with you on that, and it is why I think what we were saying when we were reviewing there that it is one of the few instances where I do think a. Not even at the start of the film, I do think there should have been a, a warning when you were trying to book your ticket, or what is it, or when you were at the kiosk, they should have had to say to you, can I just make you aware, there is some animal torture. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, the the box office for this, it made in the US about 70 million less than Doctor Strange did in its opening weekend a, a year really? ago. Yeah. Um, did about 110 million. Doctor Strange did 185. Like it, it's performed, did 30 million less than Volume Two did. And I, 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 I think absolutely, it, it's almost Disney going. All right, James Gunn, you've made us a lot of money. This film's not going to lose money. Just do what you want with it. At the same time, 
I don't see how people, even though Bex, you said you would, but how how young, how a wide audience would repeat viewing this. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that, yeah. Like, I'll watch it with Donna because she wants to watch it and she hasn't yet. But after that, I don't think I'll watch it again because there's shit in it that's just too upsetting. And, you know, it. I like my animals. <laughs> and I think it probably, I probably would have been different pre-Kiki if, I, if I'm being absolutely honest. But, oh, man... Animals are—they don't want to. A lot of them don't want to hurt anyone, and even when they do hurt someone, it's because they're trying to fucking protect themselves. Like that—it's rough. Don't know. It, it, it is. It is. It, 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 it's just—it's it's a yeah. lot of it. It's not like it's—it's it, it's one scene. It's—it's it's a major part of the plot. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just these flashbacks. It's like, and it's the fact that you know what's going to happen, and when they're talking about going off into the big, beautiful sky that goes on forever and ever, it's like. Rocket is, you lot aren't, and I'm really not looking forward to seeing what happens to you. Mm. And when it does, it's fucking heartbreaking. It's mm. really, really, really rough. Mm. For me. But also, you've seen him be fucking chopped yeah. up in fucking little Rocket saying hurts as his first word. Like, honestly, that will probably stay with me for the rest of my fucking life mm. I, 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 it sounds like hyperbole it really fucking messed you up it, yeah. yeah I get that for me again as an adult it adds to the movie but these haven't presented as adult movies not like porn I don't mean it that way I could there have, is probably a version of that they, 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 they've not been movies for grown-ups. They have been very family-friendly. And if I was the parent of a young child that really fucking loved one and two... Yeah, then I'd like to see They're space adventure movies. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and, and, and it was this, and she was fucking sobbing mm. because Rocket Raccoon died after having loads of flashbacks about being tortured. I think I'd be pretty fucking angry. Yeah, that, 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 do you know what? I, I, yeah, I think you, you, you're all fair. Is mm. what we have to, again, going back to... Some of my issues with like the upcoming Barbie movie and bits like that is, is we have to remember these films or these a lot of these properties are not solely for people between the ages of thirty and fifty. No, no, and the thing is that's that, I mean that's that's what I'm getting at the 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 MCU movies they're not kids movies they're comic book movies they're not kids movies they're movies for that audience but. Some some of them, some of the franchise, it's sort of franchises within the franchise. This this wouldn't feel as out of place because they are naturally darker. This isn't Guardians. Isn't it's froth previously. Mm. So yeah, yeah. I, for me, it adds to it. But I can definitely see why people would be angry. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, we do have another question. Uh, Ricky, if you take one member of the Guardians of the Galaxy and place them in a different film, which one would it be and what film would you drop them in? Okay, I've got one for this because I saw this question earlier. Oh, go on. Okay, Groot. Yeah, go on. In T2. In Terminator 2? Yeah, replacing the T-1000 and just like, as he's getting shot up, just like regenerating like he does. Fair play. Ian. What was the question again? If you could take one member of the Guardians of the Galaxy and place them in a different film, which one would it be and which film would you drop them in? 
Uh, Rocket Raccoon into Forrest Gump playing Sally Field. <laughs> that would be quite amusing. Like, but in my brain, he's dressed up like Sally Field. Yeah, but yeah, as no, Rocket absolutely. Raccoon, just going. No, I mean, just like looking around, going, "Why am I doing this again?" Wearing like a dress and a I mean, box hat. Yeah. As a part of me, it says dressed uh, as Robin Wright. <laughs> See, mine's Rocket Raccoon again, uh, but in the Predator. And he's just drops in the Predator. So is he the Predator? No. He's like Arnie. You know, yeah, he's basically Arnie, yeah. Okay. Um, as fighting the Predator. Predator wouldn't have a chance. Rocket's a fucking badass. Yeah, but that's it. But my brain's just going, no, not even that. Rocket Raccoon, I, don't, I never even made this movie. Rocket Raccoon dropped on the, on the planet of the Predators. <laughs> just going after him. Yeah. Nice. And he's pissed off at them about something. They've shot Groot or something like that. Okay. Groot's not dead, but they've shot him and Rocket's pissed off. And also, so, he's a bit of a magpie with tech, isn't he? So he'd want that fucking laser sight of him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there's there's that there. So yeah, so I'd watch the shit out of that. that's one of the reasons he's there as well. And I'm just saying, Disney, you do own <laughs> <laughs> the, the license to, to Predator. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Right. Um, what are we covering next week, Ian? Okay, so yeah, next week it's a little bit of a slow one at the cinema, folks, um, because apparently um, Bowie's Afraid and Fast X have to come out the same fucking week. Yeah, which makes zero so, fucking sense whatsoever. Ah, uh, God, just I may not get to Bowie's Afraid. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's really gonna depend on fucking timings because I'm seeing Fast X. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That. If, if if you need to miss one that week, it should be Bowie's afraid. Yeah, I am. So I am holding my hand up now and saying I am willing to take the bow on this one. I am fucking praying that Bowie's afraid is made available in the next week to week and a half, which is a possibility. Which is a possibility. Hmm. Um, so for next week, <laughs> we've got. The Netflix J-Lo film, The Mother. Can I throw out just a real random, like, retro review watch? Go on. Mm. Right. And it's based on something Ian sent me uh, a few weeks ago. The fuck? And he said, I've actually never seen that. And it's not like a big fucking massive movie or anything like that. But I just think it might be quite fun to re-watch. Mm-hmm. Defense doing a retro re- review of um, 2001's Robert De Niro and Ed Norton and Marlon Brando film The Score. Oh shit, The Score! Yeah. I'll watch The Score. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not a mega long movie, it's within two hours, um, and it, you know, it's one we can all watch at home and it'll be fun. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, fine, cool. What, instead of The Mother? I mean, I'm yeah. still going to watch The Mother anyway, so. Uh, Alright, well, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Cool. We can we can discuss. I feel like maybe it's an opportunity to do a little bit of catch up, like sixty five and Magic Mike's Last Dance. Yeah. We could do a bit of a catch up and the score, and just like whoever watches what, as if two of us have watched it, we'll main review it. Yeah, I'm down with that. So we'll be we'll be reviewing some films and 2001's The Score. <laughs> Yeah, so the score definitely and some catch-up stuff. Maybe the mother, we don't know. But then the week after, we got Fast X. Yep. Let's fucking go. 
Yeah. Right. Thank you very much, right. Rebecca. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much, Ian. My side's hurting, which means I need to pee. Thank you very much, listeners. Goodbye. Bye.